Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. All right, here we go. Salute to Knicks Nation on this Friday afternoon. It is the final countdown. We've been talking Knicks versus Cavs for the entire week, getting you ready for this game one matchup of this four versus five series. And joining me on today's show is my guy, Fred Katz of The Athletic, man. Fred, the final countdown, Knicks versus Cavs. How you feeling, man? I'm feeling great. I'm ready for this series to start. I have written every single word that I could possibly write. I have nothing left. I need more inspiration for content. So I am, uh, I am ready for this, for this series to go, as, as I'm sure you are, too. I have to imagine you've spoken every word in the English language this oh, week. Oh, man. Uh, likewise, man. But, you know, like the fan base, very excited You are so about strapped for series, content man. that you're getting Berman on the that's, that's, that's where you're right. at. That's right. <laughs> you know, I, I told him we have to go to South Florida to get him off the pickleball court to talk Knicks versus Cavs to start off the week, man. So uh, shout, shout out to Berman on this one. Is this is this your first playoff series that, that you're covering? Yeah, it's only my second year on the beat. So, right, right. So, well, yeah. with the Knicks, yeah, but like I mean, with, because with, you were you oh, with the no, Wizards so before I, that. Yeah, no, I covered the Thunder. Okay, um, Thunder, right. And I covered the Thunder. So I covered that 2016 Western Conference Finals run when they mm-hmm. famously blew the 3-1 lead to the 73-9 mm-hmm. Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 17, they made the playoffs, lost to Houston in the first round. 18, they made the playoffs, lost to Utah in the first round. So it's not even my first Donovan Mitchell playoff mm. series because I covered that series against against the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell. And that was the, the mellow Paul George, Russell Westbrook team oh, that boy. lost to Utah. And then uh, during... During the COVID year, the Wizards actually did make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Nobody remembers it. Nobody acknowledges <laughs> it. But they went 34 and 38. They were the eighth seed. And yeah. they they lost to uh they lost to the Sixers, just got throttled by the Sixers yeah. in the first round. Uh, so 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 they made the playoffs, but like if no one remembers, did they make did the they playoffs? Make- <laughs> true, true but indeed. That was not a real, I don't consider that covering the playoffs though. Yeah. Not because did they make the playoffs, but because it was the COVID year, everything was over Zoom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I wasn't there. I wasn't, I wasn't actually doing the job yeah. in a way that mattered at all. Yeah. I wasn't talking to anybody. So uh, I, this is my first, I would say, real playoff series to cover since 2018. So it's been oh, half a decade for me. True, true indeed, man. Well, you know, we, we always talk about the difference between the regular season and the playoffs for players. What about for the beat, man? What, what changes in, in your day-to-day as you head into the postseason? I honestly think you're just – honestly, it's not that different in terms yeah. of like the cliches that I'll use now. You're just more locked in. Like, mm. 
you know, I, I almost never write off of games, which I know is a complaint that some of my readers have, which mm. is understandable. But for the most part, in the regular season, with the model that we have at The Athletic, people just don't really care about writing off of games and about games. Like, mm. they, just, they just don't care. If they want to know what happens in a game, they'll check the highlights. I'm mm. going to write something off of every single game is for as long as the Knicks are in the playoffs, you know, my cadence will be way up. I'll be writing after every game. I'll be writing next day analysis stuff. Like I'll, I'll be doing all of that. Uh, Cause you know, people want to see stuff about their team in the playoffs. I'm yeah. a huge Yankees fan. I'm the same way, you know, and yeah. everyone's more engaged in the playoffs. The coaching staff's more engaged. The players more engaged. The writers are more engaged and the fans mm-hmm. are more engaged. Mm-hmm. So, so we have to be more engaged too. Yeah, no question about it, man. And uh, one thing we will be looking for between now and, say, Saturday at 5.59 p.m. Eastern will be the status of Julius Randle, man. What have you heard so far, and and what do you think will be the status of Julius come game one? Well, the Knicks have basically – you're going to be shocked about this. Yeah. (laughs) The Knicks have been mum about the injury report. Yeah, yeah. You'll never believe it. They've they've been (laughs) extremely close to the vest. Yeah. That's not like that. This is very unusual. Very unusual. No, I know. Normally they just come out and they're like, he's going to miss 43 (laughs) days. Right. But in 43 days, he'll return to come. He'll be ready to go. Yeah. 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 Normally they're that specific. Uh, But with Julius, here's the thing. It's hard to determine exactly how much he's doing because I know that like they're not doing a whole ton of like contact and scrimmaging and that kind of stuff behind the scenes. And right now Julius isn't doing contact drills, but they're not doing a ton of contact. So even if they, even if he were doing contact drills, it's not like he'd be like getting his way back and all of that right now. He's not, at least as of the last time we spoke to Tibbs, which was after Thursday practice, he wasn't doing contact drills. Uh, He was shooting. He's able to run at full speed. Uh, They're worried about, it sounds like just the intensity of a playoff game, the intensity of being in an NBA game. I don't know what it's going to say on that report yeah. on Friday. I have my guesses, but I feel like it's not good for a reporter to just guess about the injury report. Mm-hmm. But even, even if it's like a thing that I've done with friends off the air, I just feel like it's not good to put that out there because then people think of it as like, you know, sourced and whatever. And it's not in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, one thing I will say, if Julius can go, I would be absolutely shocked if he didn't. Me too. Like, me too. I, I, I don't think there's a way in which the doctors say to Julius, this is going to be an extremely painful experience for you. If you, most people are not able to handle this pain, but the injury can't get worse. Do you want to play? I would be shocked if Julius sat in that scenario. Yeah. Just because that's not who he is. Like, he... That dude wants to play all the time through everything. Uh, so if we saw hobbled Julius Randle out there in game one, I think that's on the table. We see Julius Randle come back and just look like himself. That's obviously on the table. And, um, you know, if he's still too hurt to play and has to miss game one or more, I think that's a possibility too. So your analysis is that it's kind of all still on the table yeah. right now. Although it sounds like from Jared Allen's comments yesterday, 
that the Cavs are just assuming that Julius Randle's playing and yeah. there is absolutely no other scenario to consider. Yeah, they're, they're ready for him. This, this won't be a Zion Williamson situation where, you know, the guy's doing 360 dunks on the layup line in front of his home crowd, and then all of a sudden he can't play in an important game of the season. But, you know, that, that's their struggles. This is ours. I think we need Randle to, to, to be, you know, he may not be 100%, but I think the Knicks need him to win this series. You know, J.B. Bickerstaff, when he met with the media, he said that, look, we know what these guys want to do. We know their tendencies. We know the sets that they want to run. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to your best players making plays and our best players trying to stop that. And when I think about that, I go back to, you know, the fans, kind of a recency bias to say, well, with OB, everything just runs so much better and so much faster. We almost don't need Julius. And I'm saying in the playoffs, you need your guys. It becomes isolation heavy. Like you need your stars to be stars. What's your, what's your take on that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Quite they, they definitely need Julius. And this is, this is somewhat. It's not exactly the most technical analysis in NBA history, but I still think it's fair. If Julius doesn't play in this series, Cleveland has four of the five best players in the series. I, I, I it might have happened before where a team had only one out of the five best players in a playoff series and still won the series. It might have happened. I can't think of that situation. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of a situation where Kobe Bryant's Lakers went up against Steve Nash's sons in the first round those years that Kobe was averaging 35. And Kobe almost won them that series, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Uh, hey, you know, And that's the most extreme situation I can think of, right, for a yeah. situation like that. Uh, it is really hard to win a playoff series when Jalen Brunson is your only of the five best players in the series. And that will be something the Knicks would have to overcome without Julius. It's hard to win when you have only two of the six best players yeah. in the series. But the Knicks have a superior bench. Uh, quickly is capable of, of playing like one of the five best players in a series, I think. Uh, he's certainly capable of getting to that level. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they have a bench that could potentially feast on Cleveland's with the way that quickly runs with the way that the Cleveland rebounds, you know, when Jared Allen is off the floor or when uh, Jared Allen's off the floor, Cleveland is like a terrible defensive rebounding team. They're really, really bad. And that's an opportunity for Hartenstein to feast on the offensive glass for Josh Hart to feast on the offensive glass. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see if the Knicks run Mitchell Robinson with the bench unit at all. That's something that Tibbs is, it's not something he's done often, but it's also not something he's shied away from. And I know that he likes Mitch running with the bench. And if they go to like an eight-man rotation or something like that, that's actually a pretty easy thing to do, uh, especially considering I think Hartenstein makes a lot of sense with the starters in this scenario because if they're going to trap Brunson, it's nice yeah. to have Hartenstein as an outlet there. So uh, I, I wonder if that's something that Tibbs tries at some point in this series. Uh, there, there are definitely little battles that I would favor the Knicks in. It's just really hard when you don't have a guy like, like Julius. Julius Randle is 25 and 10. Right. He has won them so many games this year. I feel like sometimes the discourse around Julius Randle is the same as it was last year, even yeah. though this is not the same player as it was last year. This is very yeah. clearly a very different player in terms of the production, in terms of the type of basketball that he plays, in terms of the types of shots that he takes, in terms of his decision-making, like in terms of his defense, this is not the same yeah. player. 
I, I would maybe agree if it was last year's Julius Randle. Right. But it's not. Yeah, t- true indeed. And, you know, we need him to make Mobley work, right? We, we know that Mobley is the kind of the jack of all trades of, of that Cavs defense. The versatility with which he, he, he operates in the half court, his rim protection, you know, being able to, to, to switch out on guards. I think he's fifth in terms of defense on pick and rolls, ninth in isolation. He's, he's, he's tough. So I think, you know, having Julius out there, one, to be physical with him, two, to be physical on the boards with him, and three, you hope that when Julius is out there that he can space the floor and knock down some threes so that Mobley's not just parked around the perimeter to fortify that 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 Cavs perimeter uh, paint defense. Sorry. So, you know, I think Julius, th- those are some of the key areas that I think Julius is, is super important for this team in, in terms of trying to beat this Cavs defense. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned the physicality, and I think you're absolutely right. Like, I think we talk about Julius so often as like, he's good for 25 and 10. He can get really hot from three and he's, he's a better finisher than I think he was a year ago. He's just in better shape. He's got more lift. He's more explosive. He's faster. He's just in better shape in every way possible. And one of the things that I actually think is going to be really important for Julius specific to this matchup. I think his defense is going to be disproportionately important mm-hmm. this time mm-hmm. because if he doesn't start, Obi, Obi Toppin more than likely starts. And Obi is not the physical defender, is not capable of being the physical defender that Julius is capable of being. They're going to need that physicality. They're going to need that size on Evan Mobley because that's like the thing that Mobley, I would say, is, is probably his biggest weakness right now. Right that he's 20. And if you hit him over and over and over and over again for somewhere between four and seven games, he can curl up a little bit because sometimes you see him do that a little bit during a game because, again, he's 20. Evan Mobley is a phenomenal player, to be clear. Like, he's not going to be a really good player. He is a really good player right now. Right. But right now, that's his his biggest flaw on the floor. Like, he's 20 and and he's skinny. And, like, Mm -hmm. Jared Allen's more... Filled out, you know, because he's he's older. I'm sure Mobley yeah. will get to that point. But again, he's 20. So yeah. I'll take my my vet prime power forward just pounding Mobley like that. Um, the other part of it is if Julius is out, your ability to put size on Mobley becomes extremely hampered because right. Obi is tall, but he doesn't use his size. Yeah, he plays small. He never, plays small. Totally. We never see him use his size defensively. And the other option, presumably, is Josh Hart, who they like Mm -hmm. to play at the four and who they generally like at the four when 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 uh, when Julius is out Mm -hmm. and who we've seen close games at the four when Julius is out. But Mobley is seven inches taller than Josh Hart and as physical as Josh Hart is capable of defending. And I think it's possible that we just see a small go up against Mobley and Mobley really struggles sometimes. Yeah. I and mean, look, Knicks fans are familiar with that. Like it's, it's the, it's the Marcus smart guarding Chris Stapps effect. Yeah. Right. right. Couldn't move him. Like, Can't move him in a post. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you just get up under him. It's just this dude who fights like hell Yeah. Uh, because he's so much smaller. He can basically just throw punches at you mm. for 48 consecutive minutes. And the refs don't call anything for the same mm. reason that, Nobody ever called a foul when a point guard called guard, you know, fouled Shaq. Uh, it just, it doesn't, 
look like a foul when a tinier guy is beating the hell out of the big guy. Uh, so, so you can definitely get away with more. And again, like I said, Mobley maybe would shy away from that. Maybe he'd struggle mm-hmm. to back down Josh Hart. And it's not like they're going to be like posting him up with the ball, but yeah. he's going to try to get to the rim. The thing that I worry is that Mobley's an underrated passer mm. and he can just see the whole floor if somebody who's 6'5 is guarding him. Right, right. And, and Mobley has no problem stepping to the elbow. He has no problem stepping to the elbow, finding a cutter. He has no problem setting a screen. Mm-hmm. rolling, being the short roller, going all the way to the rim, finding a shooter, whatever. Like he is a very quick decision maker, a very smart player. Uh, I, 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 and, and, and as good of a rebounder as Josh Hart is, you know, Mobley's not an unreal rebounder, but it's like, it's a, it's a big size difference. So yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked while we're having this conversation. Can I throw something at you? Give, give yeah, me your, yeah. Yeah. Give me like your one to 10, how shocked you would be. Mm-hmm. How shocked would you be if let's say, let's say Julius Randle is out for game one. Mm-hmm. How shocked would you be if we saw Jericho Sims at the four in this series? Mm. Wow. Not like starting at the four, but just no, like but minutes getting of minutes. Jericho Sims at the four to guard mode. Yeah. Maybe not in game one. But if Julius isn't an, isn't a factor, is not healthy, I think he could as part of an adjustment. You know, in, in Tibbs' strive to have rim protection, to have defense, to have rebounding, and that might not be a bad idea. You know, I think it's it, on the it, table. it might not be a bad. Wow, wow, yeah. I think it's on the table. I think I agree with your analysis of it. I think it's yeah. probably not a game one thing. Right. I think it's probably a oh no, Mobley We're killed the smalls in game one. Yeah. How how do we come back in game two? Yeah, I think you're probably. I think that's 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 probably that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I normally don't break down press conference answers, mm-hmm. especially from Tibbs because yeah. he's so guarded. So hard to know? decipher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But when Tibbs talks about the silver lining of Julius being out and how it gave Obi an opportunity to start and get minutes and play well at the mm-hmm. four. Mm-hmm. I'll give Josh Hart an opportunity to get more minutes at the four. Mm-hmm. All those sorts of things. And that, he yeah. says, the silver lining. Twice now, he has mentioned, well, you know, even earlier this year, when Obi was out for 15 games, we would play Jericho and Isaiah Hartenstein together. And that's that got right. Jericho that's, minutes. That's right. Feeling comfortable playing at the four. Yeah. And, and the first time he did that, I wrote it off as whatever. And then he said that for a second time in three days. And I'm like, mm. Mm. Would he be saying this if it wasn't relevant to what he was talking about? Right. Like, right. I just have to imagine, certainly it's a thing the coaching staff has discussed mm-hmm. because they have the, you know, they coaching staffs have their meetings and they're like, you know, no ideas are bad ideas. And they, you throw them all out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tibbs just sits in his office all day watching, watching basketball and scheming up basketball. So I have to imagine that uh, he has gone through every scenario, including like somehow getting Charles Oakley unbanned and back onto the <laughs> roster so he can play the four for five minutes right, or something, right, you know? Right. Yeah. So, so I, I'm sure Tibbs has thought about it. I just, I don't know. I, it just seems Tibbsy. Like yeah. when Tibbs was playing Sims and Hartenstein together, that unit had some obviously – Obviously, it had some spacing issues. Right. The spacing issues weren't as bad as I thought they would be when you yeah. see that lineup on paper, but mm-hmm. they weren't good. 
Mm. But Tibbs did not hate that lineup. He never deviated from it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, went he was off. always encouraged by mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And the other way he can justify it on offense is okay, if 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 you're gonna use that lineup with Sims and Hartenstein, Cleveland's not an amazing defensive rebounding team for right. how tall they are. Mm-hmm. And if you remember when those two guys played together, they had moments where they were just annihilating yeah. the offensive yeah. board. It was an onslaught. Like they had mm-hmm. games where they recovered 40 something percent of offensive rebounds, yeah. which is an absolutely obscene number. I mean, that mm-hmm. is, that is ridiculous. And maybe he thinks that that's the way you make up for it on offense. And if you're only doing it sparsely, then it's not going to kill you. Um, I don't know. Throwing it out there. I, I think it's plausible because one thing that Tibbs has shown is that, yes, certain guys will start, but when it comes to crunch time or, or you know, in the middle of the game, he's going to go to the guys that he trusts. So whether that's hard at the four or Sims, I, I think it's plausible depending on, on the health of Julius. You know, I, I, I wouldn't count that out at all. Um, and we're, we're talking to Fred Katz of the Athletic Knicks versus Cavs preview. Hit that thumbs up button for you boys. RJ. Outside of Brunson and Randall in this starting lineup, RJ's a big factor here because I just don't know what to expect from him. The shooting has dipped down drastically in this regular season matchup against the Cavs. He had moments where the drives were just so forced. Drives over three guys, you know, just trying to force the issue, not looking to play make. If the Cavs decide to pack the paint on him, you just don't know. Maybe one game he goes four for eight. The next game he goes 0 for eight from downtown. You just don't know what you're going to get. How does RJ create advantages and become a plus in this series? That might be the question of the series, right? <laughs> right. right. That, that might be the most important question you could possibly ask me. Other than like, is there a higher being? That that might be. <laughs> but if there is question. a higher being, the yeah. higher if there is a higher being, the higher being might just say, no, you know what? That RJ question takes the cake. That's 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 it. Mm. No, you're right. You're you're so right. It's gonna be huge. Uh, the Cavs are going to sag off of RJ on right. the perimeter. They are going to. Period. Done. The only question is, how far are they going to sag? How drastic mm-hmm. is it going to be? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a situation where they put, a like at some point where they put a big man on RJ and they park mm-hmm. him down low? Mm-hmm. Or is this going to be a situation where they have Donovan Mitchell on RJ and they just tell Mitchell, yeah, whenever anybody hits the lane, you're going to help hard. Don't worry about the shooter. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be somewhere in between mm-hmm. to start. and then. RJ is basically going to decide how extreme it gets. If RJ shoots 0 for 9 from 3, like he did in his second-to-last regular yeah, season elements. game, yeah. I think they're going to keep straying and straying and mm. straying. Uh, and then we're going to see what happens. Because if he's 0 for 9 from 3, and he keeps shooting those threes, then now it's like he doesn't have the same leash that he does against the Pelicans in a game that doesn't matter, right? Right. Josh Hart is a good player. Quentin Grimes is a good player. Manuel Quickly is a good player. And more importantly, they are able to give you stuff even if they're not knocking down jumpers. 
Impact winning. So, yeah. And, and, and RJ's value is the ability to go get buckets. That's his value. And if you wipe that off the table, there's not as much left as there would be with, say, Hart, who can score four points like Hart. Wow, I just said points the same way Clyde does. <laughs> who, can, who, can, who can score four points in a game and, like, you could walk away being like, Josh Hart was the difference tonight. That's it. He yeah. won him the game. Right, right, right. And that's the difference between him and RJ. Uh, those guys all also, all of those guys are plus defenders, who I just named, all three of those guys. Uh, if RJ is knocking down those shots, all of a sudden that changes everything. Because mm-hmm. we've also seen RJ get hot. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, damn, RJ just knocked down five threes. He also doesn't need to just hit threes in those right. scenarios too. Right. I'm going to talk about this in a realistic way that relates to RJ. Mm-hmm. Cause like when, you know, I, like I said, I covered the thunder in their playoff runs mm-hmm. and I have seen the most drastic situations of defenses, not guarding guys because I covered Andre Robertson. Oh yeah. There you go. Not only could not hit an open three from the corner to save yeah. his life, yeah. but also couldn't hit a free throw. Yeah. Absolutely. Unbelievable defender. Mm. Just, incredible probably the best defender i've ever covered i mm. think yeah he's the best defender i've ever covered mm. unbelievable defender which is why he stayed mm. on the floor yeah but could not hit a shot couldn't hit it and teams just were like we houston was just like we are not guarding it mm. like there's just they just did not guard him it got in his head the whole series the way that the thunder tried to beat RJ not getting guarded, or uh, not RJ, uh, Andre not getting mm-hmm. guarded, is that you tried to use him as a screener. And mm-hmm. he actually had some big games because of that. Because if there's nobody guarding you and you go screen the ball handler, mm-hmm. now you got one guy guarding a pick and roll with two guys, mm-hmm. and you basically create a two-on-one in the half court. And it can work. You can have him set off ball screens. Mm-hmm. And that can get open your shooters. And Andre couldn't shoot for the life of him, but he was a very smart player. He studied the game extremely hard. Uh, he, he, he knew the X's nose extremely well, and he understood that concept very well. I keep calling him RJ, Andre. Mm. That's not how RJ is going to play. It's just not. We're not all of a sudden going to see RJ become a screener just because guys are sacking off of him. Right, like right. when he's never really been that. Mm. So I think there are two realistic ways for RJ to still be a good offensive player in this series, even if the Cavs aren't guarding him hard and he's not hitting his threes. And those are, number one, just catch and go. If they're not guarding you close, Mm -hmm. that doesn't just mean you have a shot. That also means you have an open runway to the basket. And RJ is strong as hell, and he he muscle his way to the rim. And I know the Cavs have the best rim protection in the Eastern Conference, arguably. It's Mm -hmm. them or Milwaukee. But RJ is really strong going to the rim. Shot like 59% once he got there, but that's when guys guard him on the perimeter too. Right. When he's got an open lane, he can build it up. Like that's also, even if the RJ numbers in particular are not great, what if he, what if Jared Allen fouls him three times? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now you got Jared Allen in foul trouble for a whole game. That alone could win you a game. Even if RJ finishes that game with 12 points, you know? That could yeah. be that could be huge. So so use those opportunities to go downhill, even if he doesn't always make the right reads in that situation. That's mm-hmm. one way that he could be a legitimate help and be very playable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the other way is 
if he makes the cuts that he's comfortable making. Like during the regular season, we saw, for example, I could see them doubling off of RJ Mm -hmm. on Julius or Mm -hmm. doubling off of RJ on Brunson if Brunson Mm -hmm. gets really hot. During the regular season, we would see teams when Julius got really hot, use RJ's man to double Julius. RJ actually got pretty good at a little cut that he does to the nail. Mm-hmm. He just gets to the nail and he gets there. And then all of a sudden he's got a little break. The easiest read for him to make when he goes to the basket is the lob to Mitch. That's mm-hmm. the read that right. he's the best at making because yeah. his eyes are already there. And he's able to make that lob, go all the way to the mm-hmm. rim, get fouled, all of that. And he just does it like right from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. So he can cut in that scenario when he's open. He, he, he does it. He, he's not the same type of cutter as Josh Hart or Obi is, but, but he's able to like find space, which is mm-hmm. the whole point of cutting. So if he's able to do those two things, even if he's not knocking down his shots, I think he can be very productive in this series, but he has got to do at least a few of those things or else I could see quickly Grimes, Hart eclipsing him because those guys are going to be all very important defensively. And two out of those three guys are going to consistently knock down threes, probably. And Hart is just going to be active as hell, even Mm -hmm. if he's not hitting down jumpers. Yeah, no question. And and when it comes to quickly Hart and Grimes, I could see them, at least two of those guys will be closing, right? Especially if the Cavs go Garland, Mitchell, Levert, you're going to need those guys. And if RJ's not cooking early, I think those guys will close, but you're absolutely right. You know, he has to find his ability, his ability to to create space and play to his strengths, whether that's attacking, attacking the, uh, the basket, drawing fouls. I'm just hoping, I love when he's playmaking off of those drives, man. When he's playmaking off of those drives, it just makes the offense that much better. And when he's forcing on like two, three guys, sometimes it's cringeworthy, man. It's like Tibbs said, you know, don't force it. You know, if the play's there, make the play. So we'll we'll see because as you said, if he's not cooking, to me, this is why quickly is critical in this series. Not just by what he can bring off of the bench and how he kind of tilts the bench advantage to the Knicks, but as a reliable shot creator, playmaker outside of Brunson and Julius, quickly's the guy I trust in in that role. So he, to me, has to have a, a big series, especially if if RJ can't go because I think he'll he's going to get a ton of minutes. Definitely. And, and if we see a Coro start picking up Brunson at 70 feet late in the yeah. game or something, yeah. you know, I, I, I think we're going to see quickly next to Brunson because you're yes. going to need another point guard type guy running the, like, I don't think I like quickly is like the ultimate combo guard, right? Correct. Like he's not a point guard. He's just right. like, he can play point guard and he can be off ball next to a point mm-hmm. guard and, and he can run it off on secondarily. He just kind of does it all. So I'm going to use quickly isn't a point guard in uh, the complimentary way, not in the, not in the, uh, not in that I'm indicting him. Yeah. But in that sense, he's the perfect guy to have next to Brunson. If say they're trapping him or they're pressing him and Brunson just can't get there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Brunson doesn't love to like beat a double team. Like Donovan Mitchell, Mm -hmm. if you trap Donovan Mitchell, and you do it the wrong way, he is going to dribble in yeah. between the two defenders. Yeah. And then dunk on your like, center. <laughs> exactly. He's going to snake that pick and roll yeah. so easily. Like, like, he's amazing at that. Yeah, yeah. He, his handle has gotten so good. 
Mm-hmm. Like he didn't used to have a handle this insane. His handle yeah. is like, he has one of the best handles in the league. I think it's why he's, whenever you see like a, a dude take a, just an insane leap. And, and to me, that's, I mean, I think this is clearly, he's always been a great player. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Mm-hmm. But, but I think this is clearly the best season of Donovan Mitchell's career. Yeah. I always yeah. look at the handle first. Mm. I feel like the, the handle is, is, is the most common answer as to why that guy make a huge leap. Mm. Like when Paul George got, got awesome, it was because he tightened up his handle. Like yeah, when Giannis yeah. got awesome, it was because yeah, he tightened same. up his handle. Right, you know, right, that, was the, right. that was the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Paul George had the sloppiest handle. And he still kind of lets it go a little bit, but he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's got a crossover and he's way better. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Mitchell will kill you in those scenarios. Mm-hmm. Brunson is a lot more conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so if you're going to, if they're going to say trap him on pick and rolls, Brunson's just like, okay, fine. I'm giving it up to my dude and, and he's got an advantage going forward. Uh, if that dude is quickly, I think the Knicks could have a lot of success yes. in those scenarios. Yep. I mean, he's, he's a great guy to have going downhill on a four on three because mm-hmm. he's now a good finisher around the rim. Mm-hmm. He's got that really good floater. He's now capable of finding shooters. You know, I, I think the days of quickly just pounding the air out of the ball and being slow to make decisions offensively are, are long gone. Right. You know, right, that's, right. he's, he's, he's progressed. He's a far more intelligent offensive player than he was as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, you know, people, you know, he was, he was just kind of more of a scorer and that was about it. And that's, that's very clearly not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think he, he also could just walk into a wide open three, which is obviously a very good shot. So yeah. I, I agree with you. I think in those scenarios quickly is going to be huge. It's why I think we could definitely see quickly closing next to Brunson in a lot of these games. Also the Cavs playing with two small guards makes you just not necessarily worried about yeah. that kind of stuff you know right. like you can put in a closing lineup you could put brunson on let's say a coro mm-hmm. or the corner three-point shooter mm-hmm. and you could put what, what you could put quickly on uh you know garland and mm-hmm. you could put mitchell uh or up and uh you know put grimes on mitchell yeah or you could put Hart on mitchell, mitchell. or whatever configuration you're gonna do like that mm-hmm. That's all going to work. So you don't necessarily have to worry about like, oh, their two guard is, you know, six, eight. And now, now, now you're going to get quickly bullied because he's, he's really a better off ball defender than on ball defender. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's, I agree with you. I think we're seeing over 30 minutes a game from quickly in this series and, and he is tremendously important. And by the way, mm-hmm. just the thing that I'm throwing out there, mm-hmm. if quickly has a huge series, which is on the table. I'm just sitting here wondering what that does for extension <laughs> negotiations. <laughs> like what if quickly comes yeah. out and the Knicks upset the Cavs, and it's because quickly averaged, like he averaged 28 a game over the last eight games. And, right, and, right. and a lot of them didn't matter. And Brunson was out, whatever. So we're mm-hmm. going to tamper that number a little bit. What if quickly comes out? He averages an efficient 25 and five off the bench. Yeah. And everybody comes away from that series being like, Quickly was unbelievable. And then they go, they have a hard-fought series against Milwaukee. They lose. Quickly's great in the playoff run. Like, let's say Quickly does narratively this year what Jalen Brunson did in, in Dallas last year. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then he goes into extension negotiations. Knicks. Hey, listen. 
Nick's pockets are going to be a little bit lighter. I, I think it already is going to be a pricey ticket. But as you said, if, if he has an outstanding playoff, does that expand his market in terms of teams that are looking at him as they're starting, they're starting, you know, they're Jalen Brunson, they're starting point guard. You just never know. But I think, you know, we're quickly already putting himself in that six man of the year candidacy, taking that big leap in his third year. I already think it's going to cost the Knicks a pretty penny. And so it's going to be left to be seen how, how they take care of him this offseason because I, I think they will. But let's, let's see what happens there. On, uh, on Spider Mitchell, how do, we, how do we stop this Cleveland offense? You watch Donovan Mitchell and in, in that last regular season matchup, I thought Grimes was playing him tough. And sometimes tough even is just not good enough because Donovan Mitchell can find a way to cook. And I also thought that he was able to kind of use Grimes' aggressiveness against him and really try to get him flustered. You know, I think the plus side for it for the Knicks is that you have Grimes, you have Quart, you have Quickly, you have RJ, you have guys that you can run at him consistently, uh, defensively. But, you know, is, is the game plan to let the others beat you or do you try to key in on Mitchell to, to, to try to limit his offense? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How do you stop? You, you don't stop Donovan Mitchell anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just don't do it. I, I, I just think he's an incredible player. I, I didn't have a vote this year. I've, I've mm. voted for MVP three times. I didn't have a vote this year. If I had a vote, I would have had him fifth on my ballot. Mm. I just think he was unbelievable this season. Yeah. I think yeah. he had an absolutely incredible season uh, and is an amazing player. He, the first thing I will say is you can't be discouraged when he scores on you if you're Quentin Grimes. And I don't think Grimes gets like this. Mm, mm. But I wrote a season preview that I spent way too much time on for a Thursday morning. And in there, I had a clip where I think what the Knicks are going to do is because Donovan Mitchell's and Darius Garland's pull-up games are just absolutely disgusting. Like, mm. it's a huge part of the Cleveland offense that either of those guys can just pop a three in your face, off the dribble, whenever they want. And they can do it from wherever. Mm. One of the things I found out while researching that for that story I had um excuse me I had I had uh, a analytics source for the team look this up for me that Garland shot 46% on 
threes 26 feet or deeper. Wow. Like, what the freaking hell? Wow. That's crazy. We talk about, you know, Trey Young's deep threes and whatnot, but Trey Young shoots like 35% on those. He Mm -hmm, takes a mm -hmm. ton of them. Yeah, yeah. And 35%, by the way, from 26 feet now, 35% is good. Yeah. It's a good shot. It's a dangerous Mm -hmm. shot. Mm -hmm. Totally changes the way a defense has to guard. But you have to have when like Garland and Mitchell, and Mitchell, by the way, 39%. Mm. on pull-up threes 26 feet or deeper. These aren't any threes. These are pull-up threes from like 27, 28 feet. And one of the things that you have to do when you guard these pick and rolls, the Cavs run that are like literally sometimes at the logo, they're so far out. Mm. The pick and roll coverage changes. And so it makes your defense have to think so much. You can't run the same pick and roll coverage 30 feet from the basket that you can 23. Mm-hmm. Because you have to account now for the ability of those guys to walk into threes. Yeah. So if you're going to have, for example, um, Grimes going over the screen mm-hmm. on a pick and roll against Mitchell that he's running right at the three-point arc, you can't have him going over when he's 30 feet from the rim. The yeah. reason why is because now Mitchell, if he goes over, Mitchell now just has a lane to the basket. Right, right. And there's so much more space between him and the basket and so much more space between the big man and the basket. Mitchell's probably just going to drive by the big man. There's not enough time. There's not enough space for the big man to be able to catch up. Mm -hmm. And so you need Grimes to go under that screen to take away the driving lane. And you need the big man to now come up even higher. Yeah. There was a play I had in that preview that I mentioned that went Mm -hmm. up on Thursday Mm -hmm. where Mobley sets a screen for Mitchell all the way at the logo. This was in the game that they played in Cleveland in March. Mm. Mobley sets a screen for Mitchell all the way at the logo. The Knicks guarded it perfectly. Perfectly. They guarded it exactly how you would want to guard it. Mm. Grimes goes under the screen. He fights hard. He gets to the exact place he's supposed to be. Julius Randle. Actually, no. This was in January. Julius Randle. This was the garden game. I I was watching. Yeah. Yes. This is the garden game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Julius, Julius Randle comes up to the level of the screen, guards it perfectly. No notes. Does exactly what he's supposed to do. Mitchell realizes he doesn't have the driving lane. He kind of has to pull out. It buys Grimes just enough time to be able to recover onto Mitchell. Randall goes back onto Mobley, and they've got it. And then Mitchell does some insane (laughs) dribble move, steps back on Grimes, and hits an outrageous three, which, by the way, looks completely routine. I mean, he had he had some space, I guess, but that's only because how that hell do you guard that? Yeah. Like it wasn't Quentin Grimes' fault that it's not Quentin Grimes' fault that like he's 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 not like a superhero. Right. That he's not some person that can stop time and be like, okay, I'm gonna be here instead. Right. right. You know, it was just so sometimes you just gotta be like, okay, well, that was that was insane. I can't let this pure insanity make me deviate from my coverage and from the way that we're supposed to play because they did everything right. Mm -hmm. And if Mitchell hits seven threes in a game and they're all like that, which he might do, by the way. Yeah. yeah. He might might just do that. He could have one of those. Yeah. And you lose that game because he has 43 points on that night. And it's just like, he beat you. There's nothing you could have done differently. You shouldn't have changed your coverage. Yeah. You shouldn't have guarded it differently. And you couldn't have guarded it better if a dude is absolutely unbelievable. Sometimes that's just what he does. I think with Mitchell, some of the things that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to not have those moments discourage you. 
you you want to limit him splitting those double teams, like I just mm-hmm. said, which mm-hmm. means you're going to need help. I think what's going to be really interesting to follow is to see how the low man guards in this series. The Knicks mm-hmm. are very aggressive, having whoever is guarding the shooter in the weak side. Mm-hmm. Knicks are obviously, they're famously aggressive for having that guy kind of shade into the lane, making yeah. sure drivers don't come. If that guy's Isaac Okoro, who shot no K percentage this year, but is always hesitant to shoot them, how are the Knicks going to guard there? That could be another way to take away the paint from Mitchell, take away right. the paint from Garland, take away the lob from Garland, which he loves to throw to Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that could be another way to do it. I think another way is don't let them get mismatched. Mm-hmm. Put them in a position to where they have to go up against the guy that you want them going up against. Mm-hmm. When, when Mitchell hunts Jalen Brunson late in the game, either have Brunson show on those pick and rolls and, and hope that he doesn't end up on Mitchell or maybe trap him and make Mitchell get rid of the ball. Use Brunson's foot speed to make sure Mitchell gets rid of the ball. Um, Don't let him go up against the guy that he wants to go up against. Win the turnover battle. Cleveland is fourth in the league turnover rate. Mm -hmm. The Knicks are defensively. The Knicks offense is fifth in the league in turnover rate. Somebody is going to have an uncharacteristic turnover turnover series. It's either going to be Cleveland or it's the Cleveland defense or the New York offense. Mm -hmm. One of those teams is going to deviate from what they normally do. If the Knicks lose that that battle, what Cleveland likes to do is they like to get out running, but they also like to get out running not just so they can score on the break because they don't play crazy fast. Mm -hmm. They like to get mismatches. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, when you got somebody who's not supposed to be guarding Donovan Mitchell or somebody who's not supposed to be guarding Darius Garland or you have a six-footer on Bigs. Jared Allen, yeah. Allen just carves out space and they toss it into him and he just dunks. Yeah. Uh, or Mitchell just goes at that guy. And he didn't even need the screen now. Now he can just go at that guy. So if the Knicks are able to limit those situations, I think it will help them defensively on Mitchell a lot. But like, look, there's no recipe to like stop Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. If there were, he wouldn't be first team all NBA in my mind. Like it's the guy's just gotten so good. He's he's gonna be great, and you just have to make his life as difficult as as you can. And he's still probably gonna drop twenty something on on those nights where you make it as difficult as you could possibly imagine. Yeah, true indeed. And uh, I'm all for trapping not just late, but sometimes earlier throughout the game. Just give him different looks to try to throw his, his rhythm off. And look, if if we have to test and see how they're shooting from three, you know, it's tough to leave an Osman or 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 Levert open for three. But you might have to test those guys out and see what they have in order to, to cut down from those, you know, because Mitchell's good for those six to eight point runs, one man runs that'll, you know, give that team momentum. Like the first game, the first matchup that they had in the fourth quarter when he went absolutely ballistic and the game was over from, from the time they even inbounded the ball. So they, they've certainly got to be careful there. And as you said, there, there's so many areas of this game where, uh, the Knicks were at the top of the league offensively, and the Cavs are at the top of the league defensively. You look at points in the paint, number one or number one, or I think the Knicks were top five, I believe, and the Cavs were number one in taking away the paint. Turnovers, Cavs are top five. Knicks t- take care of the ball. Offensive rebounds for the Knicks, right? The second chance points is what's allowed this offense to be top three in the league, or one of, one of the reasons. Cavs, on the other hand, limit their opponents the second chance opportunities. So I think those are going to be huge, man. Those are certainly going to be huge, especially for the Knicks and all and getting that, getting after it on the offensive glass, because if Cleveland's going to pack the paint and dare the Knicks to shoot, 
Dare RJ to shoot? How will Julius look coming back? Will he be rusty? You know, Julius from downtown in this series, the only game really where he really popped off was the 8-for-12 game at, at the Garden. So if they're going to force the Knicks to shoot, their ability to get those second-chance opportunities is going to be crucial. Yes, that's so true. That's so true. It's such a big series for Mitch. Can we talk about a Mitch thing really quick? Yeah, yeah. That I feel like nobody has mentioned this. I haven't seen anybody mention this because it's, it didn't matter at all. Mitch, Mitch had a slow end to the season. I think that's fair to say. He did. He I don't did. think he was as good in the last month as he was in the middle months. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about that his last two games, both of them completely meaningless against the Indiana Pacers, he averaged 10 and a half offensive rebounds a game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and seven blocks. Yeah. Like, yeah, and everyone's like, okay, it's meaningless, so I'm not even going to mention it. But like, I don't know. Every basketball game I've ever played in is meaningless. I've never had 10 offensive rebounds, <laughs> let alone averaged it. He had 14 offensive boards in yeah, the last game. Yeah. And I understand. That was not against Jared Allen and and uh, and Evan Mobley. I understand that, but like, he got up to a little bit of a slow, yeah, slow end of the season for sure. But like, Mitch is balling. Those last like five games of the year, he averaged mm-hmm. eight and a half offensive rebounds a game. He yeah, had fourteen offensive rebounds in an NBA game. I, I don't, I don't care if they send him down to the G League for a game. <laughs> He gets 14 offensive rebounds in the G League game. Holy crap. Yeah. That, that was, it was just insane uh, to go with seven blocks. Uh, I actually think Mitch played extremely well, independent of the meaningless circumstances and independent of the talent level he was going up against in those two Indiana games. I, I thought he was the best player on the Knicks in both of those games. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a little bit, something encouraging there of like, okay. Maybe Mitch kind of found his footing there. Like yeah. Mitch, maybe Mitch is starting to turn it up a little bit because the Knicks centers are good. Like they yeah. have good centers. Like they have 48 minutes of good center play. And I could see, by the way, just schematically Hartenstein being more important in this series than Mitch. Because if they're going to trap Brunson, then, you know, it, it, Hartenstein's playmaking becomes really important. Uh, he's also a really good offensive rebounder. Like, they're not yeah. just a good offensive rebounding team because of Mitch. It's also because of Hartenstein. It's yeah. also because of Josh Hart. Uh, so, so there's also, like, since the trade deadline, Hartenstein and Hart have been, like, their, their net rating kinks. Like, when those guys are on the floor, the Knicks just, just kill, even yeah. if they're not with Quickly. Like, they, they just kill when those two guys are on the floor together. Uh, so so I, I think the Knicks centers are going to be extremely important in this series uh, because Mitch had a, a really good last couple of games, but Hartenstein has been, has been awesome for what? Three, three months half. now. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. he's, he's been for the last three months, he has been as good as he was with the Clippers last year. Yeah. And I, I, and I actually think better because he's defensive rebounding has improved. That was, I think that was one of the things when he came from the Clippers is that, you know, a lot of teams get offensive rebounds on the guy. He wasn't as disciplined. He was always getting into foul trouble. I think those, those areas have improved as he's yeah, gotten to point. the Knicks. And that's so, you know, the depth at five is, is great. This is Mitch's debut playoff series. 
You have his ability on the offensive glass, his ability to rim protect, his ability in the pick and roll. You just hope he stays disciplined in this series. And then with Hartenstein being able to complement that offensively, now, because we were asked that on, on the show this week, you know, who's more important or who's the big you go to in the clutch, Hartenstein and Mitch? I said, I don't mind Hartenstein at this point, the way that he's playing, because he's not killing you defensively. And then offensively now, with the way that this Cavs defense is aggressive in the half court, adding a Hartenstein who's more shorthanded than Mitch, now you have one through five who are capable, you know, he's not all world, he's not Jokic, but capable playmakers can make good decisions with the ball in their hands. And if you need them out there at the high post, maybe you find some of those backdoor opportunities against a more aggressive playoff intensity type of matchup with the Cavs. I think Hartenstein's going to be going to be pretty uh, vital, as you said, in, in, uh, in this series. I think it's possible, by the way, that Hartenstein could be, could be better equipped defensively against Cleveland too. Maybe not yeah. all the time, but Mitch is best when he's in a drop, right? Yes. What if Grimes is struggling to get through screens and Mitchell and Garland, you know, we were talking about their ability to pull up. What if Grimes is struggling to get through screens and Mitchell and Garland are walking into threes and you're like, Mitch has got to get up on those screens. He's got to. And it's not like Mitch can't do that. He can do that. But that's Hartenstein's normal coverage. Right. Right. I mean, they, they, that, that's just how they use Hartenstein. So he's, he's just, he's generally more comfortable venturing far from the basket on pick and roll coverages. Uh, so I could, I could see a world where he, um, you know, actually makes a little more sense for them defensively in moments, like when those guys get hot or, mm. or, or if they're really exploiting certain kind of coverages or, or, if, or if they're using Mitch farther from the basket and Mitch is just not playing great. Uh, you know, I could, Hartenstein's been, what, what's, what's great for what the Knicks have going, I think what's ultimately going to happen is independent of all the scheme stuff that we're discussing, I think sometimes the answer is so much more simple. Like we have spent, you and I have spent, how many hours do you think over the last week just thinking about <laughs> oh, this man. series? Yeah, like yeah. not even working, just, just like uh, being in bed and being like, oh. Man. Yeah, countless, yeah. countless. Being like, oh, I just realized they could use Deuce McBride for the last <laughs> defensive possession of quarters. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. Wake up in a cold sweat. <laughs> no, I've included that in the preview. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm telling you, know? you, man. Yeah. So we have spent so much time, and sometimes I think people like you and me forget about that the answer, like Occam's razor, the answer is the most obvious the most likely scenario is the most obvious, most obvious. Series, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think this could just be a series where whoever's playing better is going to get more minutes at center. Whoever's yeah. playing better is going to close at center. Right. Like, I think that could just be it. Like, if Mitch is having a great game, it's going to be him. If Hartenstein's having a great game, it's going to be him. Yeah. If one of them's having a terrible game, it's going to be the other one. Like, I, I think it could just be as simple as that because the Knicks have two good centers and Tibbs likes to say that his players are interchangeable and often I think it's just coach speak but I think it's true for the centers Mitch is capable of outplaying Hartenstein on any night and Hartenstein's capable of outplaying Mitch yeah. on any night uh they're both very good good to very good players and capable of 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 playing great um you know Mitch's ceiling is higher mm-hmm. but we've seen Hartenstein play play great a lot well. lately so 
you know, I think that's kind of how it's going to come down to. Whoever plays better is going to get the closing minutes. That's going to be it. True indeed. And those man. guys, by the way, have are like those guys are like Beavis and Butthead now. Mm. Mitch and Hartenstein. <laughs> they, that's nice. That's nice. They don't care at all who plays over the. I know Mitch has mm. all of his Instagram posts and all that kind of stuff, but it's it's never about Hartenstein. Like those two are the biggest goofballs in the locker room. Their lockers are always next to each other on the road. Uh, they, they are, they are always talking about some, some silly, ridiculous center thing. They were, they were talking about how they, they, they were kicking Jericho out of the centers club because he's, <laughs> he's too, he's too flashy. Now they have the dunk contests and Hartenstein said that they're relegating him to power forward. Yeah. Like they're just, they're just like. Those two have have clearly uh, have clearly developed a, a very close bond. So That's cool. I I I don't think there's any sort of issue on that end yeah. too. Like they seem to be very happy when the other one plays well. Uh, that, that's cool, man. The chemistry of the center's club. That, that's dope. Uh, once again, we're talking to Fred Katz of the Athletic Knicks versus Cavs preview, the final countdown. Uh, one thing, Fred, when I, when I when I looked at that matchup that these two teams had at uh, at MSG, we don't know the status of Isaac Okoro either for Game One. But when I saw him covering Jalen Brunson, there wasn't much success there, whether it was one on one or him funneling Brunson into the paint where the pigs were all over him. That fr- one of the first plays of the game, he had Brunson. He had Brunson funneled into the paint. And he had Mobley, Allen, and Okoro all on top of him. Any concern? And, and it seems like after the 48-point outburst, Bickerstaff, they said, you know, we're up. Our, our antennas are up. Any concerns with how effective or impactful Brunson will be in this series if Okoro plays and they put some length, some size on him between, you know, Okoro, Avert, maybe even a Stevens? What, what do you think? I think Okoro is a fabulous defender. I think Mobley is a fabulous defender. I think Jared Allen is a fabulous defender. And I think we should talk about Brunson in a similar way to how I was just talking about Donovan Mitchell, Mm. which is if Brunson's feeling it, he's going to figure it out. Like, I just, I just think he's good enough now to where we have to give him that credit. Uh, You know, look, Okoro's a fabulous defender, right? He's not better than Drew Holiday. Yeah. We watched Jalen Brunson just annihilate Drew Holiday at home against the Bucs earlier this year, right? Mm. And do everything against Drew Holiday, who I think if you polled players around the league from the way that they talk about him, I think if you poll players around the league who's the best defensive guard in the NBA, I think Drew Holiday is the yeah. one finishing first. For sure, for sure. Um I think I think Holiday's getting that vote over Marcus Smart. I do. Uh, he he's either way, he's a generational defender at guard. We've seen him go up, Brunson go up against fabulous defensive players like all season, mm. uh, and and do a great job. He's so crafty. He's so smart. I just think he'll figure it out. And that's not to say that he's not going to have a bad game one or something because he struggles with it. Mm-hmm. But his craftiness and his intelligence, I think is going to work for him in a playoff series. Right? Yeah. Like, I think, I think he will come back 
just how defenses adjust if Brunson goes off for 37 in game one. Like, I think he's going to come back and be like, okay, here's the counter move that I can mm. use when I try this when I get into the post now. Mm. Yeah. Or, okay, here's the pass I can make when they try to defend it this way. This is going to be open now. I just, I think he is going to figure all of those things out because we just haven't, we just really haven't seen him play poorly this year. Yeah. It yeah. just like doesn't happen. His, his greatest trait is not his ability to get hot. His greatest trait is kind of how solid he is night to night. Mm-hmm. It's like you can just you can Steady. count that Brunson's going to be good. Like you just yeah. you write it in pen. Jalen Brunson will be good. Maybe he'll be even yeah. better than good. But worst case scenario, Jalen Brunson's going to be good tonight. <laughs> like it's <laughs> yeah. so I just I'm not predicting anything less than that for for Brunson. As good as the Cavs defenders are, I think if the Knicks lose this series, uh, which they very well might. Because Cleveland is really good. Mm-hmm. I think if the Knicks lose this series, it'll just be because Cleveland out-talents them or because something else happened. Knicks don't knock down threes. They don't get enough offensive boards. Yeah. Whatever. I don't think it's because we're going to walk away and be like, oh, Jalen Brunson shot 37% from the field. That was a problem. Yeah. I, I think one of the things is you, you can count on him. It goes back to Julius to me. And as you said, their, their ability to knock down threes because the Cavs are going to give it to them. They, they will allow them in, in order to pack the paint. We'll have, we'll have to see how they execute there. Uh, we talked about quickly, and he's obviously the X factor for me for the Knicks, especially off the bench. For the Cavs, I think it's Karis LeVert, man. I mean, Karis LeVert in his last 10, he's shooting like 52% from downtown. He's had playoff history. Yeah, he can be streaky at times, but sometimes when he gets going, he can get it going in bunches, man. And so I think he could be someone who obviously is going to he, he'll most likely come off the bench if Okoro is going to start, but obviously you can also close with him and have the Garlands, your Mitchells, and, and a Levert out there on the perimeter. What, what's your take on Kyle Levert in this series? Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think that's definitely possible. I mean, he has blow-up ability, right? Like, he can go for 25 and be the X factor for sure. I think whoever plays that three is going to be tremendously important yeah. because they're they're going to do a similar concept to kind of how I was talking about the Knicks, right? Like whoever is playing the best, that's who is going to play with the, with the four stars, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If a Coro is playing phenomenally on Brunson, then it's going to be a Coro a lot. Mm-hmm. And if Levert is super, super hot one night, he'll probably play a lot. Um, if Chetty Osman, who hits down, like he hits down, Three sometimes. Like he had a seven for seven game from deep earlier this year. Like he can get really hot. If he's just, he's a streaky shooter. He can get super cold. He can get super hot. If he gets really hot and knocks in five threes, he might play a decent amount there. Like I think whoever is, is there, they're just going to, they're going to go with whoever is playing the best, whoever makes the most sense for the matchup in the moment. Any of those guys can make, can make a real difference, but in, in very different ways, Levert more off the dribble, Osman more just if he's going to get hot from the corners because Osman is um, he's a good corner three point shooter. He used mm-hmm. to be a bad corner three point shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really gotten good at it the last two years. Like he's he's forty something percent from the corners over each mm-hmm. of the last two years. So you have to worry about him. And if the Knicks are helping, he's open. He'll put it up. He's not shy. Yeah. So so that's something the Knicks might have to worry about. Um, Levert is was never really a three-point shooter, but it shot very well from three this year. Mm-hmm. So there, Yeah, there he things. went from like 31 last year to 39 this year. It's a big jump. 
huge jump. Yeah. Big jump. Huge jump. And uh, yeah, so it's, 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 it's going to be fascinating to see how the Cavs play that. I do think the Knicks have the bench advantage for sure. Um, you know, I just think the Knicks bench guys are extremely benches often look like Cleveland's bench, a lot of volatility, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know for sure what you're getting from Levert each night. That's why mm-hmm. he comes off the bench. Right. The, the Knicks actually have a lot of certainty in their bench. For three straight months, like Hartenstein just kind of gives you the same thing every game. Yeah. yeah. And quickly, you know what you're getting out of quickly. I mean, maybe you don't know what you're getting. He might have a cold shooting night or something, mm-hmm. but you know you're getting reliable team basketball. You're getting great team defense. Mm-hmm. You're getting extremely hard play. You know he's going to speed up the pace of the game. Like, you know you're getting that. You know exactly what you're getting from Josh Hart every single night. Like, you know what you're getting from those three guys specifically, and that's going to change the, the, the dynamic of, of how benches normally run because it's normally a bunch of volatile guys. You know, that's why six man of the year is always like Jamal Crawford, yeah, you know, yeah. who's, who's, who's one for 11 or, or nine for 12 <laughs> and right. nothing in between. Right. And, and uh, yeah, so I think this, the steadiness of the Knicks bench is, is going to end up winning out there. But you're right. Levert, Levert can get hot and he's going to be, he's going to be really important. He's had, he's had a good year for them too. Yeah, no, no question about it. And when you look at uh, bench plus minus in the league, quickly number one, Chetty Osmond is like number four. So we'll see what happens, man. Hopefully the Knicks uh, don't let him kill them because he's yeah, one of those they, guys. They were they were like seven points per 100 possessions better when Osmond yeah. was on the floor this year. Yeah. And when you're on the road, you know, those back-to-back threes by Osmond, crowds going wild. What would you say, artificial noise going on in, the, in there? That can hurt you, you man. Don't, you, don't, you don't need a big corner three to turn on the artificial noise. <laughs> you could do that during the halftime dog show. <laughs> you know, Bur- Bourbon told me it was the loudest place he's, he's been in, in a while, man. But but you you covered OKC. They say OKC. Was it naturally loud at OKC or was naturally it? Naturally uh, loud at OKC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those crowds, when OKC is good, those yeah. crowds, those are those like OKC crowds when they were a good team. Although, yeah. I, I wasn't. I maybe they might be awesome. If OKC makes the playoffs, like if they if they win this playing game, I think that OKC crowd for, for game three yeah. will probably be unbelievable. Wow. OKC's crowd when they're good is amazing. OKC's crowd is yeah. amazing. MSG's crowd is amazing. Uh, Portland's crowd is amazing. Mm. Uh, Philly's crowd is just insane <laughs> foaming at the mouth <laughs> it's yeah it's just uh it, foaming at the mouth is exactly correct but 20,000 people foaming yeah. at the mouth yeah the court by half times underwater of oh, just saliva Lord. all over the place and <laughs> yeah utah's crowd is is pretty crazy mm. uh and and uh you know but closer to philly crazy than yeah. like portland crazy yeah i think those are those are probably the five Toronto has an amazing crowd too. Okay. Toronto okay. has a great crowd. That's a yeah. super fun place to watch a basketball game. Nice. I think those are probably my six favorite crowd environments. Yeah. The difference is a loud crowd is awesome. That's mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's mm-hmm. great. I'm all for that. I'm talking about like, like, like when they play and, and, and it just shoots into your ears and you feel like you can never hear anymore. Right. Right. Like there are reporters who who wear like earplugs in Cleveland. Oh my! Like Lord. it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such an unpleasant. Who wants that? Wow! All right? Yeah, yeah. Who wants that? You know, nobody wants that. 
crazy. Like, man. and Cleveland is a good sports town. Yeah, they have yeah. good sports fans. Like, Cleveland fans are good fans. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that, they they are a good crowd. They are mm-hmm. going to be a, a very good crowd, independent of the arena craziness. Uh, they are going to be a very good crowd. Like, Cleveland fans are across the board for all of their teams. Very yeah. good sports fans. You don't need it. Wow. You don't need it. Dial yeah. it back. Yeah. Go natural sound. Go natural. That's what's great man. about MSG. MSG natural. is like natural, natural sound. The yeah. crowd game three is going to be insane. It's, it's going to be, be insane. An incredibly fun place to watch basketball mm-hmm. game. I, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait for you to experience it. That'll be your first one, right? First playoffs at MSG. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's going to be electric, yep. man. I, I since, can't forget. Since, uh, I went. I went to one of the. I went to one of the Heat games when I was nine years old. Wow. With wow. my dad. Well, those are good. Yeah. 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 No question. Yep. No, no I question. To, those I went are good to one ones, of the man. home games against the Heat in 99. Nice. That nice. Was, nice. That's my only other MSG playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good one to be at, man. Uh, so, so to wrap this up and put a bow on it, Fred, series prediction. This is what the people have been waiting for. We've been getting series predictions now, they, I, I'll, I'll let you in on this. The chat did throw tomatoes at Berman for his prediction. Uh, I think he said Cavs in six or seven. Your take on this prediction. No My pressure. prediction. Yeah. <laughs> when you said that they threw tomatoes at Berman, I thought you were going to say Berman said like Cavs in three. <laughs> it might as well. It might as well. Cavs the in three it. and the Knicks are so demoralized going into game four, they just decide never to show up at all. <laughs> Busting out the full Berman. No, I I'm picking Cavs in seven. Mm. I'm picking Cavs in seven. Okay. I, this this is not a normal four seed. It's just not mm. like the the days of the Joe Johnson Hawks being the four seed. Yeah. yeah. In the East are done. It's just not. It's not the case anymore. The Cavs are second in the NBA in in point differential per possession. They're first in the NBA in points allowed per possession. They're eighth in the NBA in points per possession. They're one of three teams in the NBA, along with Boston and Philadelphia, that's top 10 in the league in both offense and defense. Uh, They have three guys who have been all-stars over the last two years. Jared Allen, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. Those are all all all-star caliber players. They have another guy in Evan Mobley, who I think is going to make somewhere between a million and a billion all-star games over the course of his career. Mm -hmm. He is a fantastic up and coming player and a breakout series for him is coming. It might not be this series, but it's coming at some point. We're going to have the Evan Mobley series where he's going to burst onto the national stage and all the casual fans are going to be like, this is the guy, this is the next guy. Uh, It's going to happen. Maybe not this year, but it could be this year. It's possible. That's in the cards. Um, They just have so much top end talent and they're a really good team. They're not a normal four seed. And I think the Knicks are a good team too. I don't think the Knicks are a normal Eastern Conference five seed. I think this team is better than the team that made the playoffs as a four seed a couple of years ago, like unquestionably. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they're in a really good spot for the future, but Cavs are going to be tough. And that's without even getting into questions about Julius Randle's health. I I think if Randle is is hurt, even if he plays, but is like 70%, it's really hard for me to see how the Knicks can win this series. If Randall is healthy, they have a chance, obviously. I'm saying seven, and I'm obviously saying they have a chance. Yeah. But it's hard, it's hard when you don't have home court and, and you have to go play in the loudest arena <laughs> in existence 
in a game seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I've been saying Nixon six all week. I'm going to stay with it. But that's banking on a healthy Julius Randle. If he's not healthy, I don't think they win this series. They need him, and they need him at his best. It is a tall order because he hasn't played in a number of weeks, and just to expect him to jump into playoff intensity and be you know, an all-star again, that's tough. But I'm going to gamble on Julius to, to, to exercise and to feat, defeat those demons that he faced two years ago. And with a Brunson, an elite shot creator, captain clutch for this team. Tibbs will play him 48 minutes if he has to. Brunson is going to get us here. And I'm going with this Knicks bench to be consistent, led by quickly, that they are going to be the difference maker in this series. I'm sticking with Knicks and six, man. I'm sticking with it. Might, might, be, might be a little fair. drop of homerism in there. Might be a little drop. I'm going with Knicks and six. We got to get to the second That's- round, man. The Knicks are good. It's perfectly yeah. fair. This is, this is, this has a chance to be the best series in the first round. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it really does. In the, in the, in the East, East, East. In the East. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Certainly in the East. I mean, yeah. I think it's, it's the only Eastern Conference series where I can say, like, both teams are, like, good playoff teams. Like, they are, you know, the Nets at the six seed. Mm-hmm. That's not a good playoff team. The Hawks at the seven seed. It's a 41-win team that is, like, the most 41-win team I've ever seen in the history of 41-win teams, mm. right? Like, that's not, it's not a good seven seed. Whoever gets the eight, Miami is, is obviously so well-coached, but, like, that's not going to be a good playoff series against, mm. against Milwaukee, and neither would Chicago. I think Milwaukee is going to wipe the floor with whoever the eight seed is. Yeah. Uh, this, I think, will be a very good series. These are two well-coached teams. They play really good basketball. They play really hard. They play really smart. There's a ton of talent. There's a ton of young talent. So yeah. there's potential for like, it's always really fun when a guy has his first playoff moment. Someone's going to have their first playoff moment in this series. It could be quickly. It could be I, Mobley. I was going to say quick. It could be Garland, who we haven't talked about that much, but yeah, yeah, he's just a yeah. fabulous offensive player. He really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, really underrated passer in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. He's so unselfish. Like the way that he's just given up the team to Donovan Mitchell, like it was nothing mm-hmm. when he was the next great thing and just got a max rookie extension mm-hmm. and made the mm-hmm. all-star team at 21 or 22 years old, mm-hmm. whatever he is. He's, he's very impressive. I think, but yeah, it could be Garland, could be Mobley. It could be Grimes could hit seven threes in a game. You know, it could be, a, hope so, man. it could be Josh Hart. I mean, Josh Hart's never been in the playoffs. He has a big moment. That's his first playoff moment. Like there's yeah. so, someone is going to have, like, if, if Josh Hart gets eight offensive rebounds in a game and, and finishes with, with 10 points and 14 boards and six assists, like, people are going to be talking about Josh Hart. Like, yeah. there, there could be various young guys who have their first playoff moment. Uh, so I, I think, like, all the dynamics for this series say that I think it could be super fun. Yeah. Yeah, likewise, man. And I'm almost tight that, you know, we have to wait a week here because the way that Grimes and Obi have been shooting from three, I would love to see these guys just, just tip off against Cleveland, you know, with, with a day's rest. But hopefully those guys can continue and they can hit those threes. Uh, I like their chances, man. But, um, but Fred, great conversation. Hopefully let, let's catch up and say at the midway point of the series, see where we are and see what, what the Knicks have to do to uh, either clinch or, or, or rebound here, man. Hundred percent. Always love coming on with you, man. You do you do a great job. You clearly work your ass off, and you have a great show. 
Well, let's do it, man. Safe travels in Cleveland, and uh, we'll talk soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.